Blog Talk Radio. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Steve, are you there? Yep. 
Jesus Christ. All right, first of all, Blog Talk Radio, you suck. You suck hard. You suck deep. I hate your fucking format. I'm going back to a recorded show any fucking second now. This is horrible. I've been banging on my computer keyboard for the last 15 fucking minutes trying to get into this goddamn studio. You suck. I hate you. How you doing, Steve? Good. Hey. <laughs> Where's Mike? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he was on. Now he's now he's not on. Uh, fucking, I don't know. I, this you're gonna get a strongly worded letter tomorrow. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Fuckers. Oh my god. So anyway, you know we're gonna talk sports or something. Tell you this much. I need a god. I, I need a god. Yeah, let's do it. Holy shit! I'm so mad right now. And then my computer doesn't want to cooperate either, so that was great. Um, I'm trying to switch. I got a couple PCs here. I'm trying to switch back and forth. Nothing's compatible. You suck! Sorry. Okay. So anyway, for professional financial advice regarding retirement planning, investments, and life insurance, contact Mac Avendo. Receive your complimentary planning analysis. Call Matt today at 315-671-1864, and maybe he'll give a shit. I don't. I don't! All right. Uh, so Mike's reading to his kids instead of doing this, so that's fine. He'll he'll be on the show. He'll come back on in a minute. That's fine. Steve and I will talk about what's going on. So, Steve, um, did you see what happened to Louisiana Tech today? No, I didn't, actually. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Louis- <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, cool. Louisiana Tech got worked by Mississippi State. It, it was not close. 57-21 was the final. But they did something in their game, which – I don't know. It, it, it's literally the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, I, I've never, I, 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 it's like, it's like this thing that if it happened in a movie, you'd be like, no way. That's unbelievable. And maybe can you hear this, Steve. Yeah, I, I'm here. You know, if I'm, I want to know if you can hear this thing I'm about to play. Okay. Go ah, ahead. Never mind. Never mind. It wants to play a friggin' ad and I don't want to play the ad anyway. So anyway, <laughs> Louisiana Tech, late in the, uh, early in the fourth quarter, they're down 57 to 14. This game's over, and they have second and goal on the six. Okay. Okay. Second and goal on the six. They're going in trying to, you know, cut into the lead a little bit, make it a little bit more respectable. And their center rockets one over the quarterback's head. And the quarterback, of course, then immediately retreats, trying to retrieve this ball. And he just fall on it. So he tries to fall on it, but he kind of boots it about another 10 yards. And then the, def- the defenders for Mississippi State are trying to pick this thing up, and they're kicking it. And they keep kicking it three or four different times. Finally, somebody from Louisiana Tech is able to fall on the ball. At their own eight. (laughs) They had third and goal from their own effing eight. It was a down which had a distance to go of 92 yards. Wow. Wow. They lost 80. I'm sorry. Sorry. 70. Was it? I'm sorry. I want to get the number correct. 
It says 87 yards on here. It was, it, it was 80. Well, it's 89. The official number is 80. After Wild okay. Fumble, Louisiana Tech's 89 yard loss is the worst in FBS since 2004. What? <laughs> How is that not the worst ever? How in the world is that not the worst ever? That is the. I, 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 someone was worse than that. Mike, have you been hearing this shit? I watched it. I'm not live, but I saw the video. Oh, the oh my God. It, well, Mike wanted to watch that because it made him feel better about being a Syracuse fan. Whatever. <laughs> Mind you, Syracuse today um, lost to Middle Tennessee. No, I'm sorry, Middle Tennessee uh, at home, a team which they paid a million dollars to come beat them. Yep. Yep. Sounds accurate. They, <laughs> oh, uh, my God. could not stop them. They got some turnovers in the first half that put ends to drives, but they just could not stop Middle Tennessee. It's sad. It, it is very sad. And uh, and how did Hawaii do today, Steve? Oh, there it is. Steve's watching it right now. Who wants the football? At the seven, a grease pig. Very, very apropos description of what happened to that football. It was horrendous. That was the worst. It was awful. Steve, Steve, how did Hawaii do today? Uh, as usually got smoked. <laughs> yep. And of course, Notre Dame. Notre Dame loses a heartbreaker at home, twenty to nineteen, fumbling on their last possession as well. Fantastic day for fucking football. <laughs> I guess unless you're Middle Tennessee State. They're not staying anymore, buddy. Dude, what (laughs) Baker Mayfield did in the middle of Ohio field was the best thing that will happen. That was so great. Did you Uh, see that? Agree. I did. I just watched that, actually. So, if the listeners see it, you should Google that. Baker Mayfield, after beating Oklahoma State – or, I'm sorry, after beating Ohio State in Ohio – grabs the OU flag, the big thing that the cheerleaders run around with that's, you know, the size of two people. It's 10 feet in every direction, right? He grabs the thing and starts waving it around and plants it in the middle of Ohio State's field uh, in the midst of a circle of cheering teammates. It was pretty spectacular. It it really was. And just so you're aware, last year Ohio State uh, ended Oklahoma State, Oklahoma's playoff run uh, by yep. beating them by 21 at home and saying they're, of course, saying they're alma mater on Oklahoma's field, which you shouldn't be angry about because, well, that shit just happens. Sorry. Okay. All right. Well, so, but, but he you, certainly you sell he's, on our field. We're going to celebrate on yours. And I thought that was awesome. No, that's cool. And that's absolutely the right way to do it. And good for you, Baker Mayfield, and take what's yours. Uh, I mean, listen, Ohio State's the only team that beat them last year, and that kept them out of the playoff. The only team that beat them. But you couldn't put them in ahead of an undefeated Ohio State, so what are you going to do? And then to watch, I'm sure they loved watching Clemson destroy Ohio State 31 to nothing. <laughs> Great. Could have been us. We could have been there. All right, so speaking of college football, let's talk about Alabama. Um, 
Anybody beating this team this year? Oh, I mean, look, college football is like a freaking 13-game, you know, uh, playoff season, essentially. So, you know, the idea that they couldn't fall once or twice throughout the season, no matter how good they are, is is foolish. Of course they could lose. I mean. Right. I mean, they lost last year, but last year they lost to Deshaun Watson. Okay. And. Yeah, and without Deshaun Watson, Clemson's not going to – and, again, it's like to your point, college football is a different season year to year. Every team is different year to year. But, I, I mean, I watched Alabama the other night, and it's just, they look like they're playing a different sport than some of these other schools. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. The SEC doesn't have another really good school in it. Maybe, maybe Louisiana State. I don't know. Is Florida any good? They well, got killed by Michigan, and Michigan has, in all honesty, their offense does not look that good. Well, we well, keep Louisiana on saying State. it. We keep on saying it every year. It's like you know, Alabama loses, you know, uh, half a dozen, ten players to an NFL draft, and you know they come back with a better team the next season. It's crazy, <laughs> and they never have a quarterback. They never have one. Their quarterback is always awful. Like, not awful, but it's just very pedestrian, and they just destroy people with their defense and their run game. It's like they cloned Derrick Henry with this kid they have this year, and it's just it's ridiculous how he, Nick Saban is able to just get every player he wants. Of course. Somebody, yeah. It's just hockey basketball. If you're a great high school basketball or football player – you go to Alabama, you go to Kentucky, you go to Duke because you get to play with the other greats and they're going to bring out the best in you in day-to-day in practice and you have the best chance to make the NBA or NFL. I mean, it, it, the bottom line is these guys at this level come out of high school and they're trying to follow the almighty dollar. So, you know, absolutely place that sent 10 guys to the NFL draft last year and I'll send 10 more this year, you know. And most of them in the first two to three rounds. I mean, these guys are out there. I mean, think about Reggie Ragland, Ruben Foster. Don't you feel good about it? I mean, it doesn't even matter what the name is. You know the dude's an NFL-ready player. Well, he's certainly been coached up. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> we've got other NFL-ready guys. It just, you know, it makes sense that they continually kind of reload and come back. Well, who do you guys think, just based on what we've seen, like, uh, amazingly, like, uh, a quarter of the college football season has already passed. And But who do you see that, uh, I mean, if they played Alabama tomorrow or next week on a neutral field, I mean, who would have the best chance? Uh, The Browns. (laughs) It's hard not to say Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah, Oklahoma looks pretty good right now. Yeah. Penn State actually looks pretty good. I don't know that they're going to beat Alabama, though. I don't think they've got the talent. Yeah. You know, it's well, you need to be well-disciplined, and it's, you know, Alabama's all of those things and then has more talent than you. So that's that's the, the uphill climb is you got to have at least close talent because they're not going to beat themselves. They're very rare to see Alabama or a team of that nature beat itself. What yeah. about USC? What do you guys think about USC? Nah, no. I, I don't – listen, Sam Darnold, I don't know, man. They looked good today. They looked much better today than they did last week. 
But I'm telling. Okay, let's 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 switch gears a little bit, just a little bit. Why the hell was Lamar Jackson not the uh, Heisman favorite this year? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, what the fuck is with that? He went out today and dropped six touchdowns on North Carolina. And North Carolina, while they're not great, I, they're a Power Five conference team, and he just well, destroyed North them. Car- you and North Carolina um, won their half of the ACC last year. Like, they're not a, a dog. I mean, they're a right. good ACC team. I, I understand that that's not, you know, spectacular in the grand scheme of college football, but they're a capable ACC football team. Right. Whoever wins the SEC West isn't all that – usually all – I mean, all SEC East usually isn't all that good anyway. I mean, what are you, Florida, South Carolina, or Tennessee? I, I mean, North Carolina yeah. is a is a serviceable football program. Threw for 378 yards and ran for 107 today. I mean – Three touchdowns passing, three touchdowns rushing. And this guy was third in Heisman odds. Third. Oh, that was – I'm sorry. Those were his stats in week one. This week he threw for 393 and three touchdowns and ran for 132 and three touchdowns. My right, same thing. Same thing. Two weeks in a row, same thing. I, I'll tell you right weeks. now, Mike is excited for when Lamar plays Syracuse again. Can't well, wait. I was actually – the last time they visited the Carrier Dome, I was there. And yeah. I got to uh, see it in person, um, the devastation. It, it's, and the funny thing, Syracuse actually put up a pretty good game in that game. And then, you know, it's just a couple times you don't tackle the kid and he's, and he's off, you know. And it's painful yeah. to watch because the team plays really good sound football for quarters in a row. And this kid just, you know, runs through everybody for a play. And there's all your, all your solid defensive effort down the tubes. Yeah, and just to go ahead, just to know, Mike. Yeah. It's got to be Jackson. It's Jackson and nobody else. Nobody. Who has a, who's leading the Heisman watch right now? Is it uh, Darnold or Mayfield? Sam Probably. Darnold was – well, Sam Darnold was, was the preseason favorite and Baker Mayfield was number two. But if you're going to tell me that either one of those two guys is a better college football player than Lamar Jackson, I'll slap you in your face right in front of you. I will slap you in your face in front of your children. I don't – that's horrible. I- he won, but he threw zero touchdowns, two picks in game one. So yeah, he got what are you, UCLA quarterback. What's his name? Rosen. Still, again, no, sorry, no, he's not as good a football player as Lamar Jackson is. Like, I don't like Lamar Jackson's pro prospects only because of his his physical stature. It's very, he's very slim. He's going and, to get killed. Yes, but that that doesn't matter in terms of the Heisman. And the Heisman Trophy is about best college football player, and if it's not Lamar Jackson, I dare you to tell me who it is. I dare you, because I, I will fight you. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is so much better than anybody else. All right, moving on to NCAA hoops. Marvin Bagley, Mike, what do you know about this kid? He's cleared to play, by the way, for Duke, and he's a very big prospect. Late commit, top five, uh, top five prospect. Um... You know, another long athletic wing in the in the mold of a Jason Tatum. I think maybe not the shooter that Tatum is, but the athlete all day. Um, and just an, it's going to be another year with Duke having really high level of talent. They're going to be awfully hard to stop this year. Thing is, Duke does what Kentucky 
because. But I feel like they get better basketball IQ guys than well, Kentucky does. And they tend a, to have more guys that stay more than one year to kind of be the glue that holds it all together, you know? I, I will say this about the basketball IQ guys. I think it's just general IQs um, because uh, it, it's, it, it's harder to get into Duke than it is to get into Kentucky. Okay, if you I know mean, what I mean. Sure. But I, I don't it's, know. It's, it's just I, that easy. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. Duke's a great school. It's, um, I just feel like they play a smarter brand of basketball, and Kentucky basically rolls out better athletes at every position and goes, you know, and runs that dribble drive offense and says, you can't beat our athletes. And then eventually yeah. in the tournament, they run against somebody that can beat their athletes generally that just plays a smarter style and has, while not maybe the same level of athlete, a comparable or close enough athlete that plays a more, you know, consistent style. You know, Duke's, to me, Duke's just better year in, year out. And here's the thing, too. Duke plays in a much better basketball conference than Kentucky does, so they are tested by the time they get to the tournament, whereas Kentucky has played a lot of Vanderbilt's and LSU's and, you know, Florida in a down year. They've got Mississippi state on their schedule. They get to play Auburn. They don't play good basketball schools while Duke plays North Carolina, Syracuse, uh, used to be Maryland, not Maryland anymore. Uh, help me out. Mike, give me another scrub. Uh, freaking Virginia, Florida state. Yeah. Basically, the ACC every year is looking at, you know, 11, 12 teams with a chance to make the tournament and eight to nine that actually make it. And, Where it, you know, yeah. looks at the ninth place team in the, or in the ACC a couple of years ago and they make the final four. I mean, the level of competition is pretty spectacular. Virginia has been a one seed uh, a couple of times, I think, here and, and a top three seed every year, it seems like, you know, for the last few Right, and Pitt's a school, and, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's good. All right. Uh, well, every, go ahead. Had, uh, nine teams with a winning conference record in the ACC. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on, we're going to do one more thing, and then we're going to hit a break. Uh, baseball, the Cleveland Indians. Okay, so like a month ago, or a few weeks ago, we talked about the Los Angeles Dodgers and how crazy good they were at the time, 41-9 and nine in 50 games or something like that. Do you know that the Dodgers have now lost like 13 of the last 14 games, including like eight or nine yep. in a row? I think 14 or 15, but they're still the best fucking team in, the, in Major League Baseball. Uh, right? It's crazy. And, but meanwhile, in Cleveland, Steve, tell me what's going on over there. They won, uh, what is it, 17, 18 straight? 17 straight. 17 straight. Third time in 50 years a team has won 17 or more games in a row. Cleveland is hot, and that's a talented baseball team. And that's you. if you're the American League, you don't want Cleveland getting hot right now. They actually have a better run differential for the season than the Dodgers have. Cleveland and Cleveland, Remember, Cleveland was in the World Series last year. They were the team that lost in Game 7, by the way, to the Cubs. Apparently they got over the hangover. Yeah, I would be hyped, hyped for a Cleveland-Los Angeles World Series. I would be. I would be. I'd rather have it be the Yankees, but whatever. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. Wow. And 
as if to uh, put our point, I'm, I got Sports Center on in, in in the room that I do the show in, and here it is, 14 out of 15, they've lost. There's the Dodgers losing another game on awful defense. Oh my God, it's horrible. All right, anything else you want to say? Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> right, and they still have a way better record than Cleveland. Anything else you want to say about baseball, Steve? Give me something else. Uh, no, let's uh, okay. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so let's move on because uh, the playoffs are coming and we waste time with dead air at the beginning of this goddamn show because blog talk radio sucks balls. Balls! All right, so if you were listening, I think they played at the top of the show uh, a, show, a song called Dirty Work by Steely Dan. If you know uh, anything about Steely Dan, um, their guitar player, Walter Becker, passed away this week. He was 67 years old. He was a great musician. Uh, and Steely Dan's a great band. I'm going to play some more from them, uh, including the song that I kind of half played when I finally got on the goddamn air. We're going to play those songs off of their greatest hit package today. This is going to be My Old School by Steely Dan. We'll be back in about five minutes, maybe six, right after this. All right, guys, I'll talk to you in a minute. Thanks for uh, sticking around, Steve and Mike, by the way. All right, we'll be right back.
I mean, that's the guitar work I'm talking about right there, Walter Becker. It's uh, pretty amazing stuff. He's a really awesome guitar player. Uh, of course, Sports and Beer with Friends would like to remind you that we do not own the rights to music that we play. Um, it's for your listening enjoyment only. If you like the music, buy the music, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon. This is from um, the very best of Steely Dan, uh, and we're going to play some more of their songs a little bit later on. Uh, but right now, normally we do like a, a dumb sports list of the week, but we're going to make our own dumb sports list because I didn't find one that I really liked. And then I saw this list on our, our good our site there, newarena.com, that we like to pick on all the time, and it was uh, – Ranking all the quarterbacks from 32 to 1. Well, how else would you rank them? Ass wipes. Um, and Deshaun Kaiser was number 32. Okay. I mean, fine. He's never played a game, so makes sense, right? Uh, I think quarterback played a game over some of the starters in the league, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't disagree. Josh McCown, looking at you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the quarterbacks in Denver, either but, all three of them. You know the they signed Osweiler. Yeah, they signed Osweiler again. You knew that, right? I knew, I was referring to him and uh, oh I, yeah, I was referring to him and Simeon, but I forgot about Paxton Lynch. Yeah, yeah all three. also all not also not very good. <laughs> How about Goff? Uh, I mean, I'd probably take a, a random over Goff too. For sure, I think um, I think Kaiser's got. Yeah, Kaiser's got a chance to be good. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you our top ten list. So um, I don't know, Steve. Why don't Why don't you start us off with your top ten list? Just do it from. Everyone knows who the top two are. Okay, so why don't you just go down the list, one to ten. Okay. All right. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, so I got I, I got Rogers first. Brady okay. second. Okay, so like you said, the first two are pretty obvious. You know, either way, even after Brady uh, Brady's fart this past, uh, you know, the uh, last game, I mean, it's still, you know, I don't think anybody can argue if he was, you know, put number one. Um, I go uh, Russell Wilson third, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, yeah. And this is, this is where, you know, it gets, you know, sort of debatable. But I got Cam Newton. Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, and Jameis Winston. All right. Anything you got a trouble with there, uh, Mike, at all? No, I think you can make a lot of arguments here and, and be perfectly sound in them. Um, and it also depends on what your criteria is. Is it going forward, these are the guys I want? Is it to win one game today, these are the guys I want? You see what I mean? Is it to win the Super Bowl this year, These are, this is the guy I want? So, I, uh, I would say, to me, it's, it's, it's the best quarterbacks right now, this year, as we're looking at them today. And I think, to your point, you can parse these. Like, once you get past about number three or four, you can parse the next, like, 12 guys any number of different ways. If you if that makes sense. Yep. All right. And so, so you, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Give me yours. Well, I'm going to take Brady first, and I'm a homer. So I mean, it's you knew I was going to say that regardless. Sure. Um, bottom line, you know, the proof is in the pudding of what he's done, 
and I'm not going to let him lose in the Kansas City affect that because if they just let him sneak the ball twice on fourth and one, they probably win that game too. Okay, um, so I want to stop right there. How weird – we'll talk about this game a little bit later, but how weird was that? It's frustrating not- from a pace and perspective that when they they clearly outthought themselves there because Brady's conversion rate on fourth and one is not 100%, but it's pretty goddamn close. I think it's and 91 so, it's, I think it's actually better than that. I think it's literally in the high 90s. Like, okay. He almost oh. never misses on fourth and one. And, you know, to, on two different times to not try it is pretty crazy to me. But anyway. Right. We'll uh, get into more of that later. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, – and now I've argued in the past that Rodgers is more physically gifted than Brady and really, you know, throws a better ball – is a better runner with the football can make more happen. I think individually, but there's something about Brady and he just finds ways to win games all the time. And you just can never count the guy out. So I'm taking Brady first, but definitely okay with Rogers second. Um, I have a lot of similarities in my list to, um, to Steve's, but my order and his are completely out of whack. So third Drew Brees. Now Drew Brees, uh, puts up stupid numbers for a team that's usually behind because their roster is terrible. But if I had to replace Brady with one guy on the Patriots with the intent of winning the Super Bowl this year, I'm actually pretty sure I'd take Drew Brees, even over Rodgers. So uh, Brees to me is like when we were talking last week about, you know, guys who are Hall of Famers right now, Brees was a Hall of Famer like four years ago. Um, so really like Drew Brees and – Mad respect for him. Next, if I'm talking about, again, I want to win this year, Derek Carr um, for the Oakland Raiders. I've got him fourth. Um, I think his natural talent is spectacular. You know, he hasn't done it for the length of time. Some of the other guys on my list have done it. But, boy, his upside is is silly. And I think, if anything, he's going to be better this year than he was last year. So, um, you know what's what's going to be funny and it's conspicuous absence from, from both of our lists is Andrew Luck. Who, if we had the oh, yeah. name just two years ago, Andrew Luck probably would have been the third name out of both of our mouths, if I had to guess. Um, In that range. Yeah, it certainly would be close. Um, so, again, fourth, uh, fourth I've got Carr. Um, fifth, I've got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was last year's MVP. His numbers last year were sublime, something like 38 touchdowns, seven picks. Um and Matt Ryan's put together a bunch of great seasons in a row. Um, not a lot to not like with him. He's got all the tools, the big arm, you know, makes all the throws and has had success throughout his career. You know, the one thing lacking being that big Super Bowl win. Um, <laughs> well, he sure had it in his hands last year. <laughs> well, sure did. Uh, you you got to, yeah, you got to feel for the guy. Um, six, you know, six and seven to me, guys are interchangeable even though their skill sets differ quite a bit um i like both cam and russell wilson sort of in this range love both guys um they both they bring a little a little different you know little different style to the table but both good runners and both good throwers uh with a nice nice leadership you know really no big holes in either of their games and kind of that similar little bit of mobility, great leadership, um, winning teams, you know, year in, year out. So I probably would put Russell ahead of Cam just because he's had more more 
sustained success and more success in the playoffs. But, um, boy, Cam's got some upside to him. And so, you, you know, going forward, I would be happy to, you know, to tie my sled to either of those guys basically going forward. Um, and you know what? Your boy Dak down there in Dallas is another one, but it's hard to say after one season, you know, let him get through this year without having a sophomore slump. And I think he finds his way onto this list too. But for now, I've got him off my top ten. Uh, next, I would put Roethlisberger. Uh, Roethlisberger is a guy, again, consistent success. When he's, you know, the one knock on him is he's hurt a lot um, because he plays such a physical style and he stands back there sometimes a little too long and takes a beating. Um, but, boy, you can't argue with the results. And Big Ben's done it in the biggest of games and throws all the balls and throws a great deep ball and knows how to spread around to his weapons and he makes mediocre receivers look really good. And then when he's got a really good receiver, he makes them look great. So he's got a lot of Brady in him, honestly. If he just had a little more sustained health throughout his career, uh, you might be looking at another Super Bowl or two in his belt too. So uh, Ben, if anything, I've got him maybe too low on my list. But, you know, slot him in there at eight. Um, you know, Tom, you're going to hate me. And you're going to – the guy on my list you're going to have the biggest argument with, and this is not an overreaction to what we watched on Thursday night, is Alex Smith. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? So, Sorry. Alex Smith typically leads the league in completion percentage, has one of the highest completion percentages in the history of the NFL. His team has almost always got double-digit wins at the end of the season. I don't think you're going to sit here and tell me Andy Reid's a great coach. So you got to give you got to give some credit where credit's due, and some of the limitations on his ability to throw the deep ball is a limitation of the style of offense Andy Reid chooses to run more than it is a limitation of Alex Smith. Although although he has not got a lot of 300 yard passing games in his career and things of that nature, he's a guy that just wins football games. And you know if you're looking for top ten in the NFL and you want to put a lot on the quarterback as far as wins and losses, which we always do, then you got to look at Alex Smith's win-loss record um, with the Kansas City Chiefs and, and his later years in San Fran, and he's had some real sustained success over a bunch of years in a row. Um, so I got Alex Smith ninth on my list. And as far as the tenth guy, look, there's a bunch of dudes you can you can talk about here. And basically, to me, the you're getting into that range of guys where um, – maybe not good enough to win a championship, kind of that range where they're hard to upgrade from because none of the other dudes are available to trade, but I'm not sure if you can win a title with them. Um, now, there's a couple guys that Steve mentioned at the end of his list that aren't haven't been in the league long enough to say, I can't win a title with them in Mariota and Winston, but I'm just not sure where those guys are yet. So for the my 10th guy, a guy who I am sure what I have is Matthew Stafford. Um, a guy that's kind of been victim to just bad coaching, bad coordinators, bad defenses, mediocre line play, uh, injured running backs every season, Um, you know, early retirement of his best weapon, just a guy that's had a circumstance against him for the majority of his career. But his play and his numbers have been pretty consistent and solid. So I don't really sort of as much as I gave Alex Smith credit for, for wins, I'm going to say Matthew Stafford has some honest excuses for why his win-loss record isn't as good. Um, 
with kind of the stuff that's gone on around him. But, you know, there's that handful of guys there that I'm just not sure of in like Prescott, Winston, Mariota, who are all dudes that two or three years now or from now are going to be in this group. But I'm just not sure where they lie right now. It's not to say I would be ashamed to have any of those guys be my quarterback. It's just that if I'm talking about a guy to win the Super Bowl this year, the 10 on my list, I know what I have with those guys, and I'm not sure what I have with the others, and that's why they're not on my top 10. But it's not All right. to any of those. You know, and Carson Wentz is another one, same thing. Yeah, I think Wentz has got a lot more to prove than some of the other guys you mentioned. Uh, but I also think he's had some very limited wide receivers to work with. Uh, so I mean, as much as he plays for the Eagles, and I hate the Eagles as much as anybody hates anything, um, yeah, I, I I feel like he is held back by the fact that he just doesn't have very many good wide receivers. Uh, so I'll give you my list. It's going to be, again, very similar. These top 10 to 15 guys are all going to be very, very similar guys. Uh, I have Rodgers first just because I feel like at this point, Brady's uh, skills are slightly diminished, and I like Rodgers as a pure quarterback better than I like Brady, but Brady – Again, is unquestioned in his greatness. He's unquestioned in his ability. It's just at, at some point you're a 40-year-old quarterback. Um, but Brady is number two. And then right behind him I have another older guy, Breeze, at number three uh, for many of the reasons that you mentioned. I have Matt Ryan at number four, which I think is, I think it's a little higher than either one of you. Uh, he's a very skillful guy. I don't think he's extremely uh, – I don't think he's inspiring, but I think he's very, very good and certainly very capable. Um, After that, at number five, I have Derek Carr. I think he's just so good, and I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. I think you're going to see a much – like another step forward. Maybe, you know, he took a big step forward last year. I think it's going to be a bigger step forward this year. Next, I have uh, two guys that are very similar, although they don't aren't very similar in size. It's number six is uh, Wilson. Number seven is Cam Newton. I have Roethlisberger at eight, just like you did, Mike. Again, well, many of the same reasons. What's that? Uh, you just transposed number four and five, but other than that, our lists have been identical so far. Very similar, yes. Uh, and number nine, I have Marcus Mariota. Uh, and at number 10, I really did struggle with this, whether it was going to be Jameis Winston or Dak Prescott. And I took Dak Prescott just because I love his upside. I think his leadership and his football IQ is a little bit better than Jameis's, although I think Jameis has a better arm. I think as there, there's more to being a quarterback than just an arm. See Jeff George, okay? Um, so that's mine. I think, I think Prescott's got a huge future ahead of him. Uh, I also think Winston has a huge future ahead of, ahead of him. I, as we said earlier, I think Winston is going to have a really great year. Um, so that's it. That's my, that's my top ten. Anybody got any well, think, major? You know, it's like just one yeah. of my. I guess the the big glaring difference at mine is that I had Wilson like up at number three. Yep. I just think that you know people just I guess you know uh, give too much credit as as far as like you know his ability with you know something that's on the total opposite side of the ball because you know people see how that Seattle defense is you know for a couple of years was just so dominant. It's like they they, they credit you know their wins towards the defense, but Wilson is just, I mean, he just blossomed to me anyway. I mean, even last year having a, you know, quote unquote off year, you know, I, I, I think he's what, he's probably number two, number three in career quarterback rating. And he's played, I mean, he's, he's almost 30 years old. Right. He's been in the league well, a that, while. 
Well, I mean, he was 26 when he graduated college, for God's sake, almost. Uh, 25 or 26. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, Russell Wilson is a very good quarterback. I think he's the kind of guy who's going to have a kind of a shorter shelf life just because of he is smaller. He does play outside of the box a lot. He does expose himself. And as he slows, as he gets older, he's going to take more of those hits that he can avoid right now. If you know what I'm saying? What Russell Wilson does that to me is the biggest negative in his game is you'll rarely see Russell Wilson take a three- or five-step drop and just throw the ball. He almost always stays back there, pats the ball, moves around, and tries to find the perfect pass as opposed to just throwing in rhythm of the offense. And that would be, to me, the biggest knock on him is there's not enough plays where he just has that quick read as he's taking his drop and fires one out there. Um, Whereas, you know, that's what's made Brady so difficult to defend his whole career is that he does that almost every play. And so he doesn't give you time to adjust to what he's doing. I think well, Brady is very quick to get the ball out. Plus he's had some pretty good offensive lines over the years. Russell Wilson has not had that Uh, other than maybe the year they won the Super Bowl when they had Max Unger and Russell Kung. Keep in mind, Tom, it's a lot easier to block a guy that takes a three-step drop and just tosses the ball out oh, immediately no. than a guy that runs around no. back. Like, one of those things makes your offensive line look like world beaters, and one of them makes your offensive line look terrible Certainly. because you can't Correct. block anybody for four seconds. You know what I mean? I, I'm not saying he's ever had the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, okay, by any means. Like, he's had some really nice like, – Matt Light was a good offensive lineman. Sebastian Vollmer is a good offensive lineman. They've had oh. guys that – yeah, really good Great. guys – but as a group, they've never been to that level. He helps Are them you? out. He helps his line in two ways. First of all, he gets the ball out quick. Second of all, they have great offensive balance, and they always run the ball. And even when their running backs aren't great, they have offensive balance, and they never give up on the run. And so it just makes it easier from a quarter, or from, a, from an offensive line perspective um, when you have that balance and – they can't just tee off on your quarterback standing back there for three or four seconds, you know? I absolutely agree. Um, All right. Well, the only other thing that I have to say is I did have one more comment about Alex Smith. You drunk? No. But this ought to do it. You're drunk. You're absolutely drunk. It's you just saw that guy throw four touchdowns against your team. It's like, he's great. Oh my God. He's great. He's horrible. He's not horrible. He's not horrible. I, I know what you're saying. This He's average. You know as well as I do that I always tell you I think Alex Smith's a good quarterback. So it's not like, oh, they beat the Patriots. <clears throat> now I think Alex Smith's good. You, I say you always time. say, you say, you're, what you say is you can't upgrade from Alex Smith. And, and, and that is true. That is true. You cannot upgrade from him because you don't have guys available to you who are better than he is. However, he also – okay, so I, my, Steve was watching the game with me, and I said this a couple times. In the first half, he dropped back, and he did this move like he was going to chuck it down the field. And I'm like, nobody's buying that. Nobody. Until in the second half when he actually chucked it down the field, and I almost fainted. I almost fainted twice. Yeah, he had a couple 75 yards. In the game. I mean, and the ball went a ways in the air. It wasn't like it was a, uh, a Tim Tebow seven-yard dump that some guy takes to the house. They, the ball traveled in the air, and they were beautiful. So that's what's frustrating about Alex Smith. It's because he has the goddamn ability to do it, and he refuses he was the first to. Overall pick. 
I mean, right. The guy is clearly a talent, you know. But he's just so risk averse. Like at at some point as a quarterback, you have to be willing to take a risk once in a while. And he, yeah. Andy Reid is risk averse. That's been his offense his entire career. I mean. I understand so, what you're saying, but you've got to throw the ball down the field at some point. And and uh, to his credit, he did it on Thursday night, and they friggin' won. And we're going to get into a lot of that later. But And they friggin' won! And those two plays are the difference in why they won. They're, those two plays are why they won, among some I other think, things. I think as far as, like, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, I mean, he is probably disappointed that one of those plays didn't go to him. For sure he was. For sure he was. <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw this, Mike. I mean, again, we're going to talk about this game right after the next break. But my, Ryan Rosillo tweeted out afterwards, does anybody in any sport want to be – does any athlete want to be another player in their, in their sport as much as Kelsey wants to be Gronk? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was awesome. I, I think they can probably be said of every tight end in the NFL, though. Well, I think Jason Witt tight end that doesn't want to be Gronk. And secretly, there's probably some days where Jason Witten would trade his life for Gronk's. <laughs> well, I mean, Witten just wants to wham the nose. He just wants to go in there and wham the nose. He, he just wants to, 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 to seal the edge and wham the nose. That's all he wants to do. And maybe catch a pass at the end of the game to break the Giants' heart. All right, so we're going to take another break. Uh, it's going to be another Seal Dan song. Apparently I lost a couple of these, but this is a song called Black Cow. Really great song off of their greatest hits package. When we come back, we're going to delve deep into the Patriots and the Chiefs game from Thursday night. We're not going to break down a lot of games this year. Uh, but this one we're going to do because it was really important. It was a really great game. Um, a really great, a well-coached game by Andy Reid and the Chiefs staff. So we're going to get into that right after the break. Black Cow by Steely Dan right now. Enjoy it. Like again. 
on iron. So I guess I guess we're back. Did that song end? That's no way that song ended. That. Oh wait, I know. I hit the stupid button. See, that's how it works. And I, you know, why I did that because I wanted to tell Mike that he's. I shut up, you're so annoying. That's it, right there. That's what I was trying to do. You're so annoying. <laughs> Mike doesn't like Steely Dan. That's all right. He doesn't like dead people. It's cool. So that was a sh- this show is, uh, I-, I don't know, as bad as this is, it's probably better than last week's show where we couldn't hear Steve, except for, like, it was like, for like three minutes. That was great. I'm really, I am really mad at Blog Talk Radio. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I'm so fucking angry. I'm so angry. What made you decide what to start What the hell life? is that shit? What? What made me decide what? To go back to the live show? Because you, you're in Kona, a-hole. Did you forget how frustrating it was to do the live shows? So frustrating. I don't know if I can figure out a way that we can record it with you not having to come over here every Saturday night because that's not going to happen. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't even pretend that I'm going to drive from Hilo to Kona every Saturday night, then get drunk, uh, then drive home. Or from Kona to Hilo, which is where you live. Either way. Which is fine. Well, <laughs> I mean, it would just be ridiculous. Pretty sweet. Ridiculous! All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're liking it. It's good. All right, so here we go. Uh, I just saw this on, just flashed up on ESPN to talk about Lamar Jackson one more second. The first player in FBS or Division A history to have two consecutive games of 300-yard passing and 100-yard rushing. He's probably not your Heisman favorite. I'm really surprised that he's the first one to do that. To be to be fair. Okay. Like Mike, I'm, uh, Mike Vick. Yeah. No, never, never did it. Cam Newton never did it. You know what else I'm surprised at? That that the uh, how about what Mike? Like God. Well, I can believe Tim Tebow never. Oh, man. I can't believe the kid from Central Michigan never did it. Dan something. Dan something. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's probably good. Uh, I can't believe that Louisiana Tech's 89-yard loss was only the longest play, longest loss since 2004. How is that possible? So – in 2007, Dan Lefevre threw for 3,650 yards, 27 touchdowns, and ran for 11,22 and 19 touchdowns. That's the guy I'm talking yeah. about. And he and had third... Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. But he didn't do it, so, and Lamar did. Right. He didn't do it. But that, if, like, if I had to name a guy that I thought might have done it, that would have been my guy if I could have remembered his name. <laughs> the Fever. Yeah. <laughs> Now he's yeah, I, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Your and he's – yeah, well, first of all, I'm not Canadian. Secondly, I'm certainly not from the Plains. And thirdly, yeah, they're probably my people. 
Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's not get over <laughs> ourselves here. I love the Bombers. I don't love the Bombers. I actually, if I had to, if I had to own a team, it would probably be Toronto. Dude, check this out. Listen to this kid's playing history. Drafted by the Bears. Bears, Bengals, Colts, Jaguars in two seasons in the NFL. Then the Hamilton Tigers for three years. The Ticats. Then yes. Montreal, Montreal Alouettes. Then, Alouette. then the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> on their practice. And then back to the Toronto Argonauts, and now with yes. the Winnipeg Blue Bucks. I love the Argos. The Argos are the squad. Um, do you know that at one point in Toronto's history, they were owned by a uh, group that included John Candy and Wayne Gretzky? I didn't know that. <laughs> did, you, did you even care? Still don't. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about something that Mike really cared about. I, well, let's talk about this. The Chiefs at, pa- at the Pats, and, and I have it listed as Chiefs at Pats overreaction because there's a lot of that, okay? But uh, how much do you hate Marky Mark Wahlberg right now, Mike? Oh, whatever, you know. I mean, he was – he's not fine. First of all, he wore a T-shirt – for his own supplement company. First of all, it's, dude, you have a – how does he – why? Why do you have a supplement company? You're a fucking actor. You're not even an actor. You're a rapper turned actor. I, I you, actually think he's kind of an actor. Have you ever seen the movie The Fighter? He's really good in that. He is good, but I'm saying, what other actor has a supplement company? And if you say The Rock, I'm going to choke you. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's off. And, he, and then, so you're on the air. You, you know, you're coming in. You're going to introduce the Super Bowl champion Patriots. Do you want to wear a, a Patriots jersey? Nah. Patriots t-shirt, hoodie. Maybe cut off kind of dope no i'm gonna wear this shit for my supplement company because i want to i really want to advertise and i've got a supplement company i want people to take my supplements it makes you wicked strong oh my god my boston action sucks tonight yeah i'm done okay so we're done with marky mark that's fine he didn't really bother me that much i'm gonna be honest with you he's douchey clearly he bothered you. he bothered everybody else mike it was awful anyway <clears throat> All right, so the Chiefs, I mean, I'm not, they, they laid it to the Pats. They really did. Uh, not so much in the first half, but I, they did not have an answer for Kareem Hunt. Am I right or wrong? Tell no, me. No, you're right. No, you're right. I mean, look, numbers don't lie, man. He had the best debut by a rookie in the history of the league. Freaking Kansas City had 537 total yards from scrimmage you probably not going to win too many football games when that's the case. I mean, you don't give up 537 yards and win the game very often. And this is what I want to say, though. It was a completely different game once Dante Hightower went out. He is so important to that New England defense that when he went out and did not return, that is the exact moment that Kansas City just started going off. Did you notice that very same thing, Mike? 
Yeah, they even said it on the broadcast. I mean, you know, when he hurt his ankle, uh, the announcer said something along the lines of they're talking to Belichick and saying, you know, there's a lot of guys you have that you can replace and slot in, but what do you do if Hightower goes down? And he basically had no answer for him. And, I mean, you know, most teams, their defensive signal caller, that's kind of going to be the case. So, you, you know, it's going to be a big downgrade when you get when you lose the quarterback of your defense. So, uh, you know, uh-huh. unfortunate situation. And their yeah, defense, so to be, defense is kind of thin on talent anyway. I mean, you look at the last few seasons. They've lost Chandler Jones. They gave away Jamie Collins. Ninkovich retired. You know, Vince Wilfork's gone away. A lot of the guys who made that defense great over the years are no longer with them. And their second-round draft pick's gone for the season, who they, they drafted a defensive end. Uh, you know, they let – I'm sorry. They traded their second-round pick for Ely, who they let go. And then their third-round pick was a defensive end who's, who's out for the season. So all this talent that has kind of slipped through their fingers – you know, eventually you get to the point where it's one guy too many has gone down and, and kind of gone away, and you just don't have a lot of talent left, you know? Uh, and Ninkovich retires. Huge. The, lo- yeah, the loss huge. of Ninkovich is huge. And then yeah. on offense, I think people kind of downplayed Julian Edelman, and I kind of felt like he was a bigger loss than some people. Well, oh, they're the Patriots. They'll just, and and it's, I understand the. I understand the thought that oh, they're the Patriots and they'll figure it out and they'll be fine. And maybe they do two to three weeks from now, but Julian Edelman is the guy on their team that moves the chain when it's third and eight. When it's that's all, you know, so he catches a hundred. There's probably 50 more that were thrown his way. That's 150 plays. You got to find for other guys. I mean, right. It's not like a small percentage of your offense. He He's involved in, you know, 10 to 15 throws a game, and not to mention all the times he's blocking downfield, he's cutting for the other receivers, he's returning punts, he's returning kicks. You know, he's I not you would have never caught me telling you that losing Julian Edelman wasn't a big deal. I, you know. Well, and, and you're a Patriots fan, and and really, if you want to know about it, ask Steve. Steve's a Dolphins fan. How huge is that if the Dolphins don't have to face Julian Edelman twice this year, Steve? It's huge. It's huge. I guess, I mean, uh, you know, just getting back to that, you know, the game and specifically what, you know, it's, I guess, the latter latter part of the third quarter and fourth quarter. I mean, you know, several things. I mean, besides, besides uh, you know, Hightower getting hurt. But you see the motor just, I mean, just, I mean, uh, does Justin Houston have like a turbo boost or something? I, I love that player. I love Christ. that player so much. So much. Justin yeah, Houston. Really oh, my God. Yep. And not just him. D Ford as well. He was a problem mm-hmm. for the Patriots offensive line all night. They have so many guys on that side of the, of the ball. Don Tari Poe, Justin Houston, D Ford. Uh, uh, oh, who's the guy who you have on your IDP? I can't think of his name. Uh, Derek um, Johnson. Derek, Derek thank Johnson. you. Derek Johnson, Marcus Peters. But then they lose their best player. Eric Berry is the heart and soul of their defense, and he popped yeah. his damn Achilles. Basically, Awful. he neutralized Gronk for, you know, the whole game, pretty much. Except for that one play where, he, where Gronk just fell on him with the ball in his hand. Yeah. But, and that was the majority of his yards. I think he only had, like, 40 yards. Well, he only had two catches. <laughs> and 
I don't know if you remember, but it was Mike, Steve and I were watching a game together, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Gronk, that guy's a cancer survivor. We cannot fucking do that to him. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Um, so how, how huge, I mean, Eric Berry, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he's like a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, how huge a loss is this for Kansas City, Mike? Well, it's frankly, it's very similar to the Patriots losing Hightower for any length of time because Eric Berry is the heart and soul of that defense. And, you know, he's the free safety out there that can sort of cover all the weaknesses of the defense. A good free safety makes everybody on his defense better. He makes the coverage guys better. He makes the linebackers better. And he can fill up the line of scrimmage in in a pinch. And what do you do without that guy when you have maybe the best free safety in the league and you lose him in game one, it's going to be a tough hole to fill, man. Okay, so getting to, like, your, I guess, your overreaction portion of this. So, yes, who do you think uh, has a better chance of duplicating the uh, their performance, Kareem Hunt or Alex Smith? Well, I think that Kareem Hunt and Alex Smith are going to be a symbiotic relationship this year because you're going to see games where Alex Smith – has 300 yards and doesn't have to throw it down the field because Kareem Hunt breaks two long ones from screen passes, you know. And not to mention, when you got a guy you can turn around and hand it to and he's got those kind of moves and that ability to break tackles, you know, look, you put eight in the box, and now all of a sudden I got guys open on the wings, you know, you might see that the the two of them have both have great success because of each other to some degree, you know. And, look, don't downplay the – what the speed of Hill does to make both of their lives easier and what the talent of Kelsey does to make both of their lives easier as well. I mean, mind you, this is an offense now that's put together some talent and some speed. So, you know, personally, I think that you're going to, you're going to see good things from Kansas city. I I told you the guys that I felt like they were going to be really good in the, in our preseason special, we were talking about how we thought the teams were going to line up. I told you guys, I thought Kansas city had a good shot to win this division. Um, And nothing in this game led me to believe I was wrong. Um, I, you know, wish it would have gone a little different. I really think the big thing with this game, as I said in the previous segment was the fact that, you know, new England doesn't get it on two fourth and ones, where they could kick field goals and take the points, or they could have Brady go do what Brady does and get that one yard, um, and instead they turn around and hand it to the new running back who doesn't get it. So what do you think uh, New England does against uh, New Orleans next week? Wins in a shootout? Because I'll tell you what, from what I saw from their defense and what my expectations were going into the season, uh, I think they're going to struggle to stop people. All right. So, so to your point, though, it wasn't just the fourth down plays in that game, though. If Gronk comes up with that catch, yep, that would have put him up fourteen to nothing. Yeah, it absolutely is. That is absolutely true. And the Patriots have have done more with winning those inches, like the famous Al Pacino speech in the movie. There, um, you know, they consistently win those inches. They win the battles where it's a couple inches is the difference between winning and losing. They consistently win those, and in this particular game, they did not. Now, does that make me worried for the season? No, it doesn't, because, look, it's a law of averages. and There's going to be games where you can't win those, and this is the outcome. Well, and also, 
a couple. So they typically run a, a, brand, a bend but don't break defense, and they broke a couple times where uh, you know Hunt and Hill. I believe it was one of each. I believe they each had a seventy-five plus yard uh, reception for a touchdown in the game. Either that or it was two by Hunt. Um, and you know you just it's there's a bunch of stuff in this game that happened that makes it difficult to win football games. Basically, you know you you give up that fourth and one and they immediately score a seventy-eight yard touchdown. The, that's just backbreaking, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Not just kicking the field goal. That, to me. I'm a proponent of kicking the field goal. Look, you had three chances. You didn't get a kick field goal or do what works and let Brady get the sneak. If you're going to go for it on fourth. Well, certainly, especially earlier in the game, like second quarter, third quarter, you don't, I, I don't like going for it when you've got a guy like Goskowski who can just make the field goal. He can just, he's just going to make the field goal. Um, oh, yeah. If it, I was just going to say, it's different to me when you're at the one yard line and getting it is a touchdown. Because and not getting making, it, not getting it to 99 yards, right. Right. Whereas when you do it on the 20, look, 37-yard field goal is pretty much a guarantee for Gaskowski. He's not going to miss very many of those. And so you're basically giving up three guaranteed points for a chance to score from the 20. You know what I mean? And yeah. It isn't, it isn't trading a field goal for a touchdown. It's trading a, a three three points for a possible first down and an ability to continue a drive. And my, my thinking on the two differs. Now, look, Bill Belichick is the best coach in the history of the league, so I'm not going to sit here and second-guess him too hard. I just didn't like those two calls. And as a fan following a game that they lost, you know, you're going you're gonna to question some individual play calls and, and say to yourself, if this had gone differently, the game may be on differently. But it didn't. And, you know, it doesn't make me think that New England's bad or that they're going to have a bad season. Um, and it doesn't make me think anything different of Kansas City, frankly, than what I thought of Kansas City before the game because I thought both teams are really good. And I didn't really see anything in this game that led me to believe that both teams aren't really good. Well, that was one of my questions. And I kind of ask it knowing what I think the answer is, is that is, is New England in trouble? And I think it's, it's a two-part answer. In terms of the NFC East, I don't – I'm sorry, AFC East, I don't think they are particularly in trouble. I think Miami is a dangerous team for them, but I don't think it's I, – I don't think Miami has enough to catch them. The Jets and the Bills are awful. They're putrid. They're horrible. As far as the AFC – go ahead. I remember, remember watching the game, and we were in awe, like, yesterday for the first two quarters at how much time Brady had to throw. Yep. But how much times he misfired on those throws? He missed guys. He definitely missed Dwayne Allen a couple times. He missed Chris Hogan a couple times. He wasn't he wasn't in sync with those guys. And it was like overthrows, underthrows, some weird stuff. And I, I don't want to necessarily say, you know, forty year old quarterback, but forty year old quarterback. Okay. Now the other part of that is though, as far as the AFC goes, I think it opens the door to where they're not exactly the prohibitive favorite that you might have thought they were two weeks ago. I mean, coming into this game, people were asking, can the Patriots go undefeated? As I, I hate that about any team in particular, but it, as in the NFL, because it's so difficult to do. And I, will, I think, yeah, go ahead. Like, you just can't overreact for one game, period. No. The Patriots in 2004, I believe it was 2004, lost the opening game of the season to the Bills like 31 nothing. 
and they were 14 and two that season and went back to Buffalo and beat Buffalo 31, nothing later in the season or 34, nothing later in the season. And then won the Super Bowl. Yes. And so I think, I think their last three Super Bowl wins, they let off the season with a loss. No, they have won the Super Bowl three times when losing the first game of the season. Their last, they didn't, they didn't lose the last game of last, uh, first, the first game of last season. However, so in that particular year, though, I guess what I'm getting at is, if after watching that game, if you were like, "Holy shit, the Patriots suck," you would have had every reason to feel that way because they looked awful. In this game, look, KC won the fourth quarter. Bottom line, and New England won the first three, and KC won the fourth quarter and won the game. And yep. KC's really good. I don't think there's anybody that coming into the season was telling you anything other than KC's a pretty good football team. So there's no shame in losing to this team. And they get six games against the AFC East, like you said. I just, I'm just i not worried about this game. Now, look, if they start the season 0-3, then I'm worried. But right now, yeah. they're, to me, they'll come back. If anything, this lights a fire under their ass after they've been hearing all, all summer about how they're going to go undefeated and how freaking great they are. And now they know that, you know what, maybe you ain't that great. You better start okay. working hard to get where you need to be. So, so I, I think I'm going to – I'm gonna, I'm going to close this up, Mike, with one stat that I don't know whether or not you've heard, but it, and I don't know what it's supposed to mean other than the fact that it's a real stat. Well, not it's so much a stat. It's a real thing, okay? No quarterback has ever started 16 games 40 years or older. So there that is. It's never happened. That's interesting, but not – I don't know. Not hugely relevant, I guess. I mean, uh, there, there's been a bunch of 40 year old quarterbacks, yeah. a bunch, and none of them have ever yeah, stayed healthy for a full year. So, and 40 is a thing. As as Steve and I are both over 40, and you are not yet there. 40 is an, it's 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 crazy, but 39 and 40 are totally different. Right or wrong, Steve? <laughs> Absolutely correct. It's just it's just totally different. But anyway, that that being said, I don't want well, that on Tom Brady. I better get the most out of my life for the next four years before I become elderly. It's not the elder. It's, I'm just saying it's it's your you have phantom pains. You you don't recover. You you like you'll you do something and it's like when you were 35 you would recover from it in two days and when you're 40 it takes two weeks. It's just that's the way it is and it's just it's just a real thing. But again, I don't think I don't necessarily if anybody's gonna buck that trend. It's uh, Tommy Terrific, so we'll, we'll see how that works. All right, we're going to do another song. When we come back, we're going to finish this up with the, all the things that happened in the Ezekiel Elliott case this week. What? Crazy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to kind of preview um, some of the stuff that we're going to do next week, and uh, we'll go from there. But this is another song from Steely Dan, even though Mike doesn't like it. I don't care. This is a song. Actually, I think you like this song, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. It's a song called Josie. We'll see you right after the break on Sports and Beer with Friends.
Post-game show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. The hell with it. <laughs> so anyway, here we are. We're back here. Mike, you know that song, right? I mean, sure. Right, most of these songs I've heard are on the radio all the time. They're just not a band I care about. Uh, I mean, all right. Steely Dan, dude. 
Steely Dan's great. Listen, Steely Dan, that, in that song in particular, a couple of the great, a couple of really cool lines, uh, really cool lyrics. We're going to lay down the law and break it. Good stuff. So you're right, whatever. I'm not going to go into it. Fine. Mike doesn't like the music this week. It's fine. You really don't know. Missed a few weeks in a row. I can't even remember who the last good band you played was. It was your mother. I mean, everyone's played with. Huh. That was. Ah, was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. So hey, Mike, I just thought of something uh, as I was taking a leak here. Oh look, there's Louisiana Tech. Kicking the ball over the field again. Um, I, tomorrow morning is the first football Sunday in like two years that I don't have to wake up at like four goddamn a.m. Why? Because you're starting the the night game, or because no, because we're we're not doing assignment football anymore, which we did at 10 a.m. Eastern. Oh yeah. my god! Oh, it was 11 a.m. Eastern. It didn't matter. Whatever. It was awful. So it's great. The time was horrible. Now, mind you, this is the show's theater complaining about it. Because I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any options. It was like, what do you want me to be on during the football games? (laughs) I don't think so. Record that and say, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And mind you, when we first started doing that show, I lived in Hawaii and Mike lived in fucking Syracuse, New York. 5,000 miles away. So, we had no choices. <laughs> but now here we are, doing a show at 3 a.m. Eastern. It's good stuff. Good. <laughs> it is good. All right, segment four. So, uh, we're going to talk about Zeke. We're going to talk about what happened And I'm going to talk about something on ESPN that I saw earlier today that I think is just completely irresponsible and stupid, but that's beyond the point. That's a lot. Completely, completely. Uh, So anyway, so Zeke got his injunction this week. So a lot of people have come out and they've reported that he got awarded his temporary restraining order, which is completely inaccurate. Okay. So the NFLPA and Ezekiel Elliott and Ezekiel Elliott's lawyers and uh, lawyers for the Dallas Cowboys they filed for a temporary restraining order in the uh, East Texas Federal District Court. And instead of awarding that temporary restraining order, the judge there awarded a preliminary injunction, which is way better than a tra- temporary restraining order if you're Ezekiel Elliott in the Dallas Cowboys. A temporary restraining order only lasts for 14 days. A preliminary injunction enjoins the NFL against enforcing their six game suspension until the court case is finished. So no preliminary, no temporary restraining order. It's a preliminary injunction. It is a much stronger uh, legal move. Okay. So there's that for those of you that don't understand that kind of stuff. So he gets the injunction. So basically what this means is Zeke's playing all year. He's not going to serve six game suspension. Now He's probably not going to serve it at the very least until early next year, which is what happened to Brady a couple of years ago. What this means is that Zeke's going to get his day in federal court. and Roger Goodell is going to be compelled to testify. And not only is he going to be compelled to testify, so is Lisa Friel, uh, which is one of the lawyers 
uh, that was involved in the NFL's investigation. And highly likely, go ahead. Might be like, let's go to the, on the phones now to our legal expert. What are you doing? <laughs> All right. And not only that, it is highly likely that the accuser, Tiffany Thompson, is going to have to testify under oath for the very first time in this case. So I want to. I know what my opinions are, and I I am extremely informed on this matter. I'd like to get your opinion, Steve, first on what happened here. I mean, first of all, I mean, there's there's no evidence. You have a witness that's not credible, and uh, you know it's uh, just a whole bunch of people that want to be involved in a decision when clearly, clearly there's no bias there i mean it, okay. i mean that you know they're 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 totally biased all right i understand what you're saying okay I, and and mike your impressions first before we go any further well i've thought that the whole thing was garbage all along i told you this before i probably both on and off the air that uh the fact that they couldn't come up with enough evidence to even charge Elliot with a crime, let alone get to court with it or whatever, they didn't even charge him in this matter. To me, Correct. that's it. Like, that's it. There's no need for him to be suspended in a case where the police investigated him and could not find a reason to charge him with wrongdoing. I completely agree with that. Okay. So, further than that, the idea that they would give him a six-game suspension for that is truly ludicrous. Absolutely. So there's no hard evidence here. They they basically have, have hung their case on the testimony of the accuser, who is – I mean, it's, she's not very credible, okay? And it's it, I'm not a person that likes to – Take a, you know, it, it, just dismiss someone who has said I have been abused by my ex-boyfriend or whatever. I, I, that's not who I am. Her credibility is extremely weak. And, and then she gives you picture, uh, photographic evidence, allegedly. And the NFL just accepts that and says, well, the metadata. Well, if you, have under, if you understand anything about metadata on a photo from someone's phone, there is a free app that you can download that will help you manipulate the metadata to whatever you want it to say, basically the dates and times that it was supposedly taken. Um, you have witnesses that refuse to re- corroborate her story. You have people – you know she. It, telling you that these bruises that she has are most likely from a fist fight she got on in with another girl at a nightclub in that same time frame that she's saying Zeke abused her. You have text messages that say, hey, will you basically asking her friends to lie for her when they are questioned by investigators from the police department. Uh, you have it's, it's just so many inconsistencies. And then the NFL is like, yeah, that's probably enough to, to say that he is definitely a guy who's guilty of domestic violence and we're going to suspend him for six games. But they don't actually suspend him for domestic violence. They suspended him for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Pretty awesome. Because basically, right. But the 
problem is they're not they're not punishing him under the guidelines of the personal conduct policy. They're punishing him under the guidelines of domestic violence. And the judge has come out and called them on their bullshit. <clears throat> so last week I said I don't want the NFL involved in any of this nonsense. Like I want them to get out of the investigation business. But I think I want to backtrack that a little bit. I think it's okay if the NFL is involved in investigations. I just don't want Roger Goodell involved in them. I don't want people that he is directly appointed involved in them. If they want to have investigations into things like this, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. But it has to be truly independent. It has to be a, a panel of people that's their, their only job in the NFL. Does that sound... That has, that has okay, a shrine division rival <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm not, not even getting into Lisa Friel and her, her super fandom with the New York Giants. Mind you, Lisa Friel, if you're unaware, she is uh, one of the lead investigators in this. She recommended a six-game suspension for Ezekiel Elliott on an extremely weak case. In this, in this instance. Last year, when uh, they had Josh Brown, the kicker for the New York Giants, uh, and they had a ton of evidence against him, she recommended a one-game suspension. Now, I don't know if you guys saw what happened on Friday. Did you happen to see what happened with Josh Brown on Friday, Mike? No. The NFL circled back and suspended him an additional six games before the ruling came out. Reaction, please. Sounds Does like it even play? you justify the Elliott suspension by saying, well, it's the same thing we gave Josh Brown. A year later. Um, yeah, no, he's not playing, Steve. As a matter of fact, he's not on an active roster. Now, I, this is a question because I, 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 have a con- <laughs> I have a little bit of confusion about this. Josh Brown has decided to not appeal his suspension and is going to begin serving it this Sunday. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. But every other suspension of a player who wasn't on someone's roster that you've ever friggin' heard of, that player had to first be signed to a team and then begin serving their suspension. However, the NFL is allowing this unsigned player who is unlikely to ever be signed by another team to start serving his suspension this week, even though he's not on an active goddamn roster. <laughs> How's that? I'm telling you right now, if, if Ray Rice was to sign with a team today, he'd have to serve two games today, even though it's been two friggin' years or three years since his, his suspension was levied. Is that, is that, am I wrong? Is that not how you understood this to be in the past? Yeah. Either one of you. I don't, yeah, that's how it is, right? Yeah. If you're not yeah. on a roster, you've got to be signed, and then you start serving your suspension. Not Josh Brown. What pictures does Josh Brown have of Roger Goodell? It's, 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 this is a complete farce. This is them trying to point to a judge and say, look, look, we're doing it to Josh Brown. We really are. We really are this time, I promise. No one's going to sign this guy. He was a marginally good kicker to begin with, and then he beat the crap out of his wife 20 separate times and got one game for it. I feel like this is a bad way to end the show. How do you not have the Peyton Manning quote of Mike Vanderjat where he was like, my, 
goddamn idiot kicker. Like, how do you not have that queued up? It's a straight screw up by you, I, could, I think, honestly. Could, well, I can't find it. I, I honestly looked for that and couldn't find it. Yeah. Our idiot kicker. Our idiot kicker. <laughs> well, that's who it is. And so here's the thing, too, about the, the New York Giants, because they just um, – they just uh, – over the, over the summer – they released a guy who was accused of domestic violence. They have basically, they have backed themselves into a corner with their tough stance on domestic violence and all this other stuff. They have backed themselves in a corner where anybody on their team is accused of domestic violence. They basically have to cut them from the things that they have said in the past. So someone please go accuse Odell Beckham of, of domestic violence right now. Do it. Because he'll get suspended six games or else he better. Because that's all you got to do anymore to get someone suspended is accuse them. Because that's what happened to Ezekiel Elliott. He got accused without evidence, and they suspended him. So, Mike and I – go ahead. I expected it to come down this way as far as the suspension being lifted. You and I talked before the season. Both of us expected him to get off with really – no more than a two game suspension and most likely no, no games at all this season. Um, I drafted him early and often in fantasy leagues and got great value. Uh, I actually jumped you and drafted him ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In one league. We, Tom and I do share a league and in that league drafted a player, one pick ahead of me that was the player I was going to draft. And one of those players was uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Correct. And I had no reservations doing so with the third overall pick. The thing is here, too, is, is, is we've said it before. Zeke has to, has to fight this. Tooth and nail. If he is not a person who is guilty of domestic violence, you cannot let yourself be labeled an abuser. You can't let it happen. And in the language of the suspension, the NFL came out and said future instances could lead to future um, punishment up to and including banishment from the league. So he, he has to fight tooth and nail to get this overturned. Has to. Unless he's 100% guilty. That's the only way you don't do that. And, and so here we are, and it's going to be another long, drawn-out court case, but... The good news is, is you as an NFL fan are going to have the, have the absolute joy of watching Ezekiel Elliott run behind the best offensive line in football for 16 games this year. Knock on wood. Well, I certainly hope he does it for 16 games on my fantasy team, Ezekiel's wife beaters. Oh, Jesus Christ. Come on, dude. <laughs> First of all, he wasn't married to her, and really, he only told. This is uh, this is the, this is the stuff. That, okay, so there's a side of this where it comes out because Zeke went and he testified in front of the arbitrator Harold Henderson. Okay, and basically, he told her that she was his girlfriend, but in his mind, not so much. I mean, she's hot, and. She's kind of crazy, so I was like, yeah, yeah, you're my girlfriend, whatever. And apparently, she went and got her, according to his side of the story, again, got herself off birth control and made herself, you know, uh, made herself available to be be impregnated. 
which happened, and there was an abortion. And like, listen, Zeke was in college. He was a party guy. He did some drugs. He went out with a lot of girls. And I'll just say this: I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I was not a famous football player. <laughs> I'm saying I don't know. I'm not going to say what happened in my college career, but it wasn't all that dissimilar to what Ezekiel Elliott did. So he wasn't commit as committed to her as she thought he was. Apparently, apparently she was one of many. Does that make sense to you guys? <laughs> so yeah, to call it this is Ezekiel's wife, <laughs> right? We, Ezekiel's we, wife, Peter. So the difference between us is, you know, you're a Cowboys fan and I'm not, and you're a huge Cowboys right. fan, and I can talk about the Cowboys. But our read, our, our read on this situation is identical in every way so yep he is a party guy who got in with a crazy chick oh, I mean, I wanted to, okay she's a girl who a, a woman a young lady whatever you want to call her who had this idea that i have found my i don't know football player she she chased football players as a matter of fact okay so this is okay to go back if you're unaware her job at the time was she was a bottle girl in a VIP room at a local club in Columbus, Cleveland area, whatever. And not long after she was dumped by Zeke, she was at a club in Cleveland trying to get into the VIP section where the Cavaliers were having a party, and she's trying to dance on the top of the thing, and I think the quote that I got or read from a, of the statement was that it was J.R. Smith, and he said, yo, get this bitch out of here. <laughs> and she left crying. This is who she is, guys. Well, and this just goes to show that J.R. is more discerning than Clearly. Mr. Elliot. He's, he's got a few more years in the game. You know, a few more years in the game. And, and if Jr. makes better decisions than you, it's it. Honestly, Zeke, it's time to do some self-examination because Jr. Smith, not a great decision maker in my in my humble opinion. Both guys do have a penchant for removing their shirts in public too. It's kind of you know it's sneaky how similar they are really. I mean that young money uh, neck tattoo, like right on the Adam's apple. That's a good decision right there. All right, guys. Listen, we don't need to go much further. Uh, football starts tomorrow. I mean, we already had, the uh, obviously, the, the opening game, but we have a full slate of football tomorrow. Enjoy that. Um, any parting thoughts? Steve, go ahead. Um, well, <laughs> the football starts tomorrow. <laughs> Except for the Dolphins. They, why did they cancel the game? Why? <laughs> Steve was very upset that it. Well, I'm going with that argument. No, he wanted it. There's plenty of neutral sites that they could have moved the game to instead of making the Dolphins and the Bucks play 16 straight weeks. You know, and that that just made I mean too much sense. I mean, there there is a lot of places they could have played. A lot. Neither of the New York teams are playing at home this week. New Orleans is not at home this week. There's plenty of other places they could have played this game. I don't know, man. These guys got families they got to think of. But you're thinking, here's the thing. 
They got all the people that work for these organizations. They got to get their families out of Miami. You know what no, I'm saying? No, I understand. Like, it, no, but I, they, they it, have every right to – this is – I get where you're coming from. It sucks to not have a bye week in the season, but they can't control this, man. This is the biggest fucking hurricane in the history of hurricanes. I, no, I get no, it. No, don't fuck. I, I understand that part of it. It's going to be a different story in week 11 when Miami is traveling back from London and has to play a game the very next Sunday. And people I are going to be like, oh, my God. It. Yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be like, oh, man, I can't believe they have to play this game this week. Well – it's an there unfortunate you circumstance. What can you do? You can decrease uh, your uh, impact on the environment and try to reverse the effects of global warming. If that's, that's a real turn. But for this, for an honest uh, appraisal, is make the NFL season one week longer and give the yeah. teams two buys to avoid two buys. the situation. Yeah. And 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 so the NFLPA. Board. Okay, Mike, your final your final thoughts for this week. Okay. So just back to the Patriots Chiefs game, I just pretty much want to say from a Patriots fan perspective, even though they lost, I wasn't disappointed. I got to watch a great football game on a Thursday afternoon, you know, as much as I could sneak in at work basically. And I got to watch my team play. There was points in the game they played really well. I enjoyed the hell out of it and it's just good to have football back regardless of the fact that my team's the worst team in the league right now for another <laughs> Worst record in the league. Agreed, Mike. I agree 100%. It is so great to have football back, not just pro football, but college football. I love football so effing much. I can't even stand it. I can't even stand it. Oh, my God. All right. So, guys, I want to say thank you for those of you who stuck around through our early technical difficulties and made it through the end of the show. God bless you, people. I don't know why you put up with our nonsense. But here we are, two hours in, and we're done. Uh, I'm going to leave you with one more Steely Dan song, and then we're not doing this shit anymore because Mike is insufferable, and we're going to do some different stuff with music over the next few weeks. Okay. This is going to be, again, from Steely Dan. God bless you. Rest in peace, Walter Becker, uh, late guitar player from Steely Dan, who died this past week at the age of 67. This is their opus. Seven and a half minutes long. Mike, you don't have to stick around for this. If you don't want to, you can just cut out. It's DJ Booze. <laughs> like All right, guys. I'm already gone. Thanks for joining us on Sports and Beer, friends. Don't forget to follow the show at Sports Beer Show. Follow me at Duckman for real. Follow Mike at Mustrolia123. And follow Steve on Instagram at Steve Core. Deacon Booze by Steely Dan. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great night, guys. And Mike, you're coming over for Chili tomorrow. That's right. More for football. All right. I mean, your chili's mediocre, but, but I will enjoy the football. My 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 chili is spectacular, and uh, and Steve, also you and Cammy and the girls, you're invited over as well if you'd like to make it this way. All right, guys, we'll talk to you uh, next week. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. All right. Peace. Bye.